Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM. drama this week in the sporting world thought our world was going to kind of come crashing down after the super bowl but i think we got something out of all four major sports this week um nba trade deadline got mlb free agent spring training camp um josh mcdaniels spurning the colts we got what what other sports am i missing MLB, I said NFL, hockey. hockey yeah. Flurry had a nice little uh, return to Pittsburgh. That was a big move. Okay, yeah, that was talking hockey. That was talking hockey. <laughs> Sporting edge. Um, but anyways, Roz, um, still out in LA. I'm just gonna gonna keep that going. Um, we got to talk about the Super Bowl because both of us did not see that coming, and I'm I'm sorry to say that I pulled a Roz and bet on the second half line, and I got screwed at the end of the game, of course. Yeah, no, this uh, this caps an NFL season that didn't want to go my way. It was an it was a season to forget. It, I mean, I will not remember the 2017-2018 NFL season. I can tell you that for sure. I mean, there's nothing glorious about it. The Packers are almost in a, a small little rebuild mode. Although Aaron Rodgers came out the other day and said he plans to win MVP next, which I agree. I think that's going to happen. And but other than that, I picked. Last seven games of the year, completely wrong. I wasn't even close. I stopped. I took myself out of gambling. This is the first Super Bowl I haven't gambled on since the Packers in 2011 when they beat the Steelers. I mean, it was a year to forget. It just all around. I mean, many teams. Odell Beckham getting hurt. All the injuries that piled up. It's just. It was a year to forget. I'm ready to move on. Show me training camp in August, yeah. and I'll get hyped again. Yeah, I, I agree. But I mean, I think we got it. We got to give some respect to the Super Bowl and kind of break down the game a little bit because. It was a hell of a game, and Nick Foles proved, I would say, most of the, the sports population wrong. Um, not the betters, though. People were betting Philadelphia very heavy the entire week. I mean, the game opened at 6, and I think got down to 4, ended around, I think I got it at 4.5. Um, but Nick Foles, this entire playoffs, and especially in the Super Bowl, was unfreaking believable and the trick play that he apparently called on his own. Um, had some just big throws all game. Patriots didn't 
play any defense, which is fine. Nick Foles still made a lot of great throws, but um, interesting storyline from the game, Roz. Malcolm Butler got benched right before the game, and even still, we don't know. And we'll probably never know what actually happened, but a guy who played 98% of the snaps on defense prior to that game, a um, little, little puzzling why he, why he wasn't out there as the Eagles just absolutely shredded the Pats D that game. Yeah, and especially since we just heard that Belichick kept that from management, kept that from ownership. And like you said, Butler, who made that incredible play against the Seattle Seahawks years ago to win the Super Bowl, a guy who has been part of what we discussed last week, part of this dynamic backfield, or not backfield, but defensive backfield. And it's weird to see that that's what happened at the biggest stage in the biggest game. And I'm going to say that's the reason that the Patriots lost. That's not it by any means. I mean, Nick Foles came out there and, like like Floyd Mayweather just punched me in the mouth. It's just every time I bet against Nick Foles, he was ready to go again. He even caught a passing touchdown like you mentioned. It it just wasn't going to go the Patriots' way that game. And the Patriots constantly – there was this argument that me and you were talking about before this week's show. The Patriots constantly put themselves in compromising positions in the Super Bowl against these NFC teams. Now – it has been on I love record, that point. let me tell you. They play the NFC team every time they play in the Super Bowl. Which I, I know that, but <laughs> the AFC is a cakewalk. It's almost like the Eastern Conference in the NBA. It's an absolute cakewalk. The Steelers were the only – the Steelers are kind of like the Boston Celtics right now. And so they get there every single year. And then the NFC, you got those teams. You got the Grinders. You got the Saints. You got the Panthers. You got the Seahawks. You got this Eagles team. And you got an Aaron Rodgers, like Packer team, whatever it is, healthy. I mean, tons and tons of talent. And I know that the – Overall, right now, that Tom Brady's five and three, so there's not a whole lot to complain about. But I mean, think about it. He should have lost that Seattle game if they would have ran the ball with Marshawn Lynch. They, he lost two to the New York Giants. Okay, he, you're, you're it was down twenty-eight just, to three. Just just listen for a second. Okay. And they dug themselves a hole in this one again, and it was setting up for the miracle, of course, for Tom Brady to lead the charge, come back. In fact, he even had a hail mary opportunity, which I wish connected. I wanted the Patriots to win. I kind of shift my opinion. Midweek, I was like, you know what? I was initially wanted to see this Eagles team win, but then again, I love the Tom Brady story. I love Tom versus Tom. I love Tom going for six. I love the idea that Tom Brady could have been our generation's Michael Jordan, which he still could be. I think he's going to win the Super Bowl. I think he is. I know, but the idea of the number six is what's so appealing, and I just think that was what this game could have been. And Tom Brady's going to come back upset, ready to go next year, and it's. Everything I've read is showing Packers Patriots Super Bowl, which would be the most epic of battles as number twelve face off against each other. But you'll actually be able to see that early as they play each other in the regular season next year, which I'm very, very excited about. Yeah, I, I just kinda wanna touch on your argument a little bit. i I think it sucks because I mean the New York Giants, those are two of the best plays I've ever seen. The David Tyree catch and the Mario Manningham throw from Eli Manning. So I mean the fact that he almost lost a couple of Super Bowls and that, that he should have won. Um, and won a couple that he should have lost. I don't know. I think it's just like a – it's kind of a moot point. Um, I, I, the last two years, I mean, obviously the greatest comeback. I mean, maybe he should have won history. the Seattle one, but he should have won the first New York one with that. That was, that was the greatest football play of all time, I think. So, oh, give and I, take. The, the argument can be mute or whatever it is you're saying. I just I – just, Tom Brady, the only time I ever see it flustered or runs into a wall is when he meets the NFC. And it's just, and I know it, it. You're getting the Super Bowl eight times in a row. It's not eight times in a row, but AFC Championship eight times in a row. But who in the AFC was even worth? They played the Jacksonville 
Jaguars. I wanted to throw a swear right in between how I say Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, they didn't play anybody of any relevance. They didn't even get to face the Steelers, who I just called the Boston Celtics of the AFC. They yeah. played the Bills. Their division hasn't been good since we've been alive. I know, but the, but now I think I, I said this to you off the air a couple days ago. The Patriots kind of get the Le- – you're giving them a LeBron treatment right now. Like they're so good that – you know, their expectations just – their bar is that much higher for them. So you kind of just look down on them a little bit for having such a bad division when, in fact, they're, they're just they're just that much better than everybody else. And I but think I, that makes I say them, that about LeBron, though, too, that they're just such a bad conference. They're both in bad conferences. So that no matter what, they're ta- But I think you're taking away a little bit from just the magnificence of the New England Patriots. That's fair. And the only – the only rival I have to where I think Tom Brady did show excellence is when Peyton Manning was still in competition, that Tom was still able to get past the arguably before him the best quarterback of all time. I mean, Tom, without a doubt, to me, is the best quarterback there ever has been and ever will be. Um, it's tough. I wanted to see them win. I don't know if I'm aching about it or not, but it just makes me think about the Patriots. I just everyone because it all started with the whole argument about lebron how he doesn't win championships but nobody ever mentions that about tom obviously his win loss is better than lebron's is and i just think it i wanted to bring it up that tom brady has lost some super bowls and has run into challenges and run into walls when getting to the super bowl i don't know and i know it's a magnif it's a great feat in itself that even gets there so yeah and you know if you're going to tell me that tom brady would throw for 500 yards patriots to score 33 points and they'd be up with two and a half minutes left in the game, I probably would have taken that to my grave, but it didn't happen, and that's all that's going to happen for this first second here on the Sporting Edge. Everybody, if you missed the show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm. What's up, everybody? We are back at the Sporting Edge, and we were breaking down Super Bowl 52, I think. Yeah, 52. Um, <laughs> it's hard to read those Roman numerals. It's been a while since I've been in fifth grade. But Roz talking about Tom Brady just didn't get it done this time. Don't really want to say it's his fault. I mean, he threw for 500 yards. Um, Brandon Cooks went down. And I, I think that had a little bit of an impact on the game in the second half. He looked like he was about to go off, and he decided to turn to the wrong side of the field and just got his head absolutely blown off. Um, but overall, I mean, Doug Peterson, I think, deserves a lot of credit for that game because he did what the Jacksonville Jaguars refused to do, and that was play to win the game, um, which is you know that famous quote, you play to win the game. Jags didn't do it. And they just kind of got picked apart by Tom Brady, which ended up in that movie that we've seen a million times. Tom Brady just has another fourth quarter comeback. But Doug Peterson, you know, with that play at the end of the first half, just going for it. I think they had three fourth down conversions. Um, didn't didn't shy away, didn't scare away from the pressure, and they they came out on top. And it was it was pretty cool to see. I mean, a Philadelphia team that. I think a lot of people had counted out even before the playoffs when Carson Wentz went down, but Nick Foles just kind of channeled that that twenty twenty seven two touchdown interception ratio and just was was Superman the entire time. He was Superman, and Nick Foles, other than thanking Doug Peterson and the Eagles organization, should should thank the San Francisco. 49ers, I almost said the San Francisco Giants, and he should thank them. He should thank Jimmy Garoppolo because I want it to be known. Garoppolo, who just got that five-year, $137 million deal, 
I think, setting up for Nick Foles to get a deal almost identical to that this season. I wow. think a Super Bowl. I'm going to throw yeah. a major flag on that. No, I don't do flag not. on it. I'm going to throw a Super a flag. Bowl MVP, Super Bowl winning quarterback, and a, in a market where they're looking for quarterbacks. So obviously, a lot of quarterbacks coming out in the draft, but why look any further than a Super Bowl MVP in Nick Foles? I'm going to throw it out there that Nick Foles, I think there's a small chance he might not leave Philadelphia. This is a guy who was going to retire a few years back, and I think he just wrote the chapter, the only chapter in his football career that mattered, won the Super Bowl, was a Super Bowl MVP, and I, I think he just might ride off into the sunset and be the most beloved backup quarterback in the history of the NFL, and especially in Philadelphia. I mean, he's he's gonna he's never going to pay for another meal in that city, and honestly, I think he might be fine with that. I don't know if he wants to go and revitalize another team which I don't know if he can do I know that he had that this unbelievable stretch in the playoffs but was really bad at the end of the regular season um and just turned he channeled his inner Cardale Jones that's I just keep bringing that back because that's exactly what this reminded me of JT Barrett goes down and Cardale Jones steps in and leads Ohio State to a championship and you just never heard from him again but no he yeah. he still has that ring you can always go back to that ring. That's true. And I mean, maybe that is what Nick Foles' next approach is. But because I have doubted him so much, because I've been so reluctant to believe that he actually has a shot to win a Super Bowl, I'm done with that. Nick Foles, put him as a starting quarterback for another team. Put him at the starter for Kansas City, who let him go. Put him as a starter for the New York Jets, who Le'Veon Bell, by the way, said it would take $100 million from the New York Jets to go there. I mean, I think Nick Foles is a safer bet than some of these rookies right now, and I know that's weird saying that about a backup quarterback, but he's been a starter before, like you said, twenty-seven and two. And he's only, he's only twenty-nine. He's not. He's young. He's not like also, thirty-four. I mean, he's he's twenty-nine. Um, could still have some good years ahead of him, but you know, we'll see. Real interesting. But I brought this up before we started to break down the Super Bowl. Josh McDaniels. Um, that that was a weird, weird situation. It was basically confirmed that Matt Patricia was going to the Lions. Josh McDaniels is going to be the head coach of the Colts. And in a matter of like 20 hours, all shifted. And he was like, nope, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm done. I'm going to stay in New England. And the only possible reason that I, I, I could think of that he would stay in New England is that, um, you know, he, he's going to be the next in line to get that head coaching job whenever it happens to open up. I mean, is is there any other reason he would compl- he would do that to the Colts? I mean, to turn down a head coaching job in the NFL, um, which is basically, basically, I think, every coach's dream. I just don't see it. It's really interesting. There, I, I think there is there's a rivalry that isn't mentioned between Kraft and Ursay, the Colts and the Patriots. It goes back. This brings up they're, the Brady, they're on opposite ends the of the Manning. spectrum too. This brings it. Jim Ursay sucks. I, I understand that. But name the team that called out Tom Brady for the deflated balls. It was the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, they got beat by 50 points. A lot of bad beef between the two teams. And I think at the end of the day, there's two reasons. One that just came out on ESPN that I actually can see being the truth. There's one being that there's no way Robert Kraft was going to let somebody go to the Colts. That just wasn't going to happen. And there's probably undisclosed deals that were made to keep him there. The second one is... Someone claimed that Josh McDaniels would have never made that move to stay in New England unless he was kind of guaranteed 
Bill Belichick's position when Bill Belichick left, which I think, along with Tom Brady, I think there is going to be a changing of the guard sooner rather than later. And I think Josh McDaniels will become the head coach of the New England Patriots. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. It just it makes you think how much longer is Bill going to be there to coach? I thought about it a little bit, and I don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, if he wins the Super Bowl next year, is he going to hang it up? And if he loses in this fashion again, like, is he going to keep going? I don't think there's nothing really left for him to prove, I think, and along with Tom Brady. But Bill Belichick just doesn't seem like the type of guy who is going to go out on this kind of note. Um, but it, it makes you think, like, what is a good swan song for Bill Belichick except for winning the Super Bowl? It's like it's, it's, six. it's not the gonna yeah. Six it's not like number. it's not like yeah, I'm gonna miss the playoffs and I'm gonna call it a career. It's just like because that's just the Patriots is just not in their blood to not make the playoffs. And I mean, I, I just don't. This isn't Bill, and I think he's gonna he's gonna give it another couple shots. I think if he doesn't get it next year, um, for me, I think the Patriots probably probably second in line to the Eagles. Um, I haven't looked at the at the futures yet for 2019. 2019 Super Bowl, but the Patriots are always up there. Um, it's four to one. Four to one. Okay. Patriots are four to one. The Eagles are ten to one. Okay. Wow. Well, um, odds makers are a little against me here, but I, I just I couldn't side against Philadelphia right now. I think that was a, a team that was a lot better than I I thought they were. Um, and with Carson Wentz back, I mean, I, I realize what happened with Nick Foles, but Carson Wentz, I think, is a great great quarterback has a great future ahead of him, and Jason Kelsey. Um, and the Eagles Super Bowl parade said it best. I think he said, "An underdog is a hungry dog," and that's exactly what the Philadelphia Eagles were. They were a bunch of hungry dogs, and they just went out and they did it. Roof. That that's that's all you got to yeah. say about it. They just did it. Tell me the last team to repeat in the Super Bowl. That's just my that's the bread and butter of this argument. It doesn't happen. Repe- repeating a Super Bowl is difficult. The Patriots, obviously the closest by getting the back-to-back Super Bowls. It just isn't something that happens in the NFL, which is exciting. I know that there has been so many Patriots Super Bowl wins recently, but you have to look at all the teams in between that have pulled it off. You've got the Seahawks, you've got the Packers, you've got the Saints. You've got a ton of teams in that time period that have come out and gotten wins. I don't think the, Se- or the Eagles are going to be there again. One, because I think the Packers are going to be revitalized. New general manager. They're going to bring in players. I know I keep harping on the Packers, but you got to watch out in the NFC. Plus, I think Drew Brees has got something, one last hurrah to give. That Saints team wasn't disappointing. I think the Vikings remain a team that is very threatening. They're going to have to decide between Bradford, Teddy Bridgewater, and Case Keenum, but I believe Keenum is going to be out of there anyways. There's a lot of excitement in the NFL, and I think the 10-1 to 1 is fair for the Eagles because, once again, like we started in this conversation, the NFC is the toughest conference in the NFL. And I know there's only two conferences, but they are by far and away the toughest. Because if Le'Veon Bell leaves this Steelers team, I would drop them even further in terms of odds to win the Super Bowl. You can't do it alone with Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger and an aging defense there. The Steelers are almost becoming irrelevant, and they're going to have to start a rebuilding phase as well soon. And there isn't really a team, obviously, the idea that the Broncos could try to pick up a quarterback, that would be interesting. If Kirk Cousins were somehow end up in Denver, that brings them to a team. I think the AFC West is going to provide the most dominating force to the – or is going to create the most competition for the Patriots moving forward. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, Oakland, I think with John Gruden coming coming to the team, Derek Carr, I think is still a great young quarterback. I think they should be pretty good. Um, Kansas City Chiefs, I don't know about Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I know he was a first-round draft pick. 
Um, but we'll see. I mean, Alex Smith was a, was a very, very solid quarterback, but that, that team just could never really get it done. Um, and like you said, Broncos, we'll see where they go from here. I think they're definitely going to pick up a quarterback. But that's all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss the show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm and amfm247.com. We'll see you after the break. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report, bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Shalady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at bubba at thebubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at bubba at thebubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. What's up? What's up, everybody? This is the Sporting Edge, and we've got some crazy, crazy, crazy NBA drama. There were so many trades on Thursday that it was hard to keep track. I think there was like 10 that I can think of right now. I've got a list in front of me. I think we're going to probably break down most of them. From one team, the team that is in the most disarray out of any team in the NBA right now, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, the Isaiah Thomas tenure in Cleveland, very short-lived. I think 15 it, games. 15 games, right? I mean, missed the first half of the season. Um, and it was, it was basically drama-filled the entire time with Isaiah Thomas. I mean, I feel like he went from, you know, just coming back, his hip kind of hurts, to yelling at Kevin Love, um, to being in L.A., that was I think that was a decent summary of Isaiah Thomas's time in Cleveland. Yeah, and I heard it here first from his agent on ESPN saying that it was LeBron's ball and it wasn't going to work out for them. Had to ship him out. <laughs> it, it it was always going to be LeBron's ball. Like I don't understand, but I have I've been a big big proponent of Isaiah Thomas not being as good as people think he is cuz he can't play any defense. And he's averaging 14 Wait, can points I say a game. It's weird. He's like just disappeared. Like yeah. it's almost like last season didn't matter. The fact that he almost averaged 30 points a game for the Boston Celtics, and they were the second best team in the East. It's appalling. It's like it's he's almost a, like it never happened. He's a one-man relegation system of the NBA. He went from, you know, 30 points in the playoffs, making things happen, to getting hurt, to being traded to another championship contender. Um to making more noise off the court than on and now being traded to the Lakers, which are a um, pretty garbage team right now. I say that right now because I think they're making a lot of room for some big names. Um, and I don't really want LeBron to go to the Lakers now and team up with Isaiah Thomas again. I want Isaiah Thomas to kind of suffer a little bit for being that, such a big baby. That's one Cleveland. way to look at it. But what this trade really did and what all the trades did the rest of the way i mean larry nance jr they also acquired jordan clarkson who the lakers were trying to trade away i mean the, the Cavs had to give up so much extra 
for Clarkson and Nance than they really needed to do because both of them were already on the trading block. I don't know who's running the Cleveland Cavaliers, but whoever is, the Los Angeles Lakers should be thanking them because they are now they are now able to sign two max players in the offseason, and they have the ability to go for a third if they can dump Luol Deng and this first-round pick they acquired from the Cavs onto somebody else. And what's amazing about this whole thing is I'm an influencer. We don't have that many followers on Instagram, and we don't have many people listening to this probably, but I'm an influencer. I moved from Chicago, picked up everything, moved out to Los Angeles. And I know that LeBron did his four years in Miami, won two championships there and everything, but he wants to experience the world. He wants to grow. He wants to take on new avenues. So like Ethan Rosen's wife, LeBron James is going to take off and come to L.A. next offseason and join Paul George and whatever third superstar they're able to bring in here and really begin to rival the Warriors. This this whole this entire day was a day of setting up the LeBron to L.A. connection, and I think we're going to see it first in the summer of 2018. Oh, I would really hate if that happened. Um, but it would be kind of cool to see him play with Lonzo. I think that I'm a big Lonzo fan still. I know he's been hurt for a long time. He's on my fantasy team, so um, really, really pissing me off there. But that'd be a cool <laughs> thing to see. Um, other trade, the big trade that the Cavs made, um, letting go of Derrick Rose and Jay Crowder, and Iman Shumpert, um, Utah ships Joe Johnson to Sacramento, and Cleveland gets Rodney Hood and George Hill. Interesting. Um, I think it's kind of funny that the two big names from the Boston Celtics that came over and were supposed to, I think, maybe make this team a little better, Jay Crowder and Isaiah Thomas, no longer on the team. Probably played a combined 50 games. The Celtics basically got Kyrie for free at this point. That's what it because looks like. Because you never know how that first pick is going to turn out, especially since the Nets, if today ended this the way the season is right now, and there wasn't a lottery, the Nets would have the seventh pick. So they wouldn't even get one of those top players in Bagley or Porter Jr. I mean, it's ridiculous. It is like Kyrie, and Kyrie posted a nice Instagram picture on trade deadline day of him just smiling, just smirking up into the air as if he knew and he got out of it early. I mean, LeBron has been left with nothing, which now we can put it back on LeBron. If LeBron makes the NBA Finals this year, that is ridiculous. That is absurd. I think think their team might be better now than it was before – Thursday started I mean I don't know how it's all gonna work but I, I do agree with you it's kind of funny that Kyrie left and halfway into this season the tra- the Cavs decided to trade about half their roster on one single day <laughs> pretty, yeah. pretty and, interesting and they, tra- they traded LeBron's best friend they sent Dwayne Wade back to Miami who it, is who Dwayne Wade still about- worth a second round pick did I read yes. that right I haven't watched him play all year but is he still worth a second round pick Dwayne Wade is as valuable as ever, and I believe he's worth more than that. And I am, just like I signed with the Bulls last year, just like I signed with the Cavs this offseason, I've just been traded to the Miami Heat again. I'm happy to be back. I've been a Heat guy a, a long portion of my life, go, dating back to high school and before that. I'm excited to be rooting for the Heat once again. Dwayne Wade, I'm very excited to see him finish his career where he started it. Um It'll be interesting, but he was surprised, to say the least. Him and Pat Riley didn't end on the best terms when he went to Chicago. He didn't believe he was going to leave LeBron James this season, and that's got to be a little bit of a stinger. I mean, LeBron, 
his only Instagram post wasn't about the other players who were leaving, yet he posted a big picture about Dwayne Wade saying, thank you so much for being a part of this for the short term, and he's going to miss him, and he's happy for Dwayne Wade's next venture. But an odd trade. It's weird. You come into the trade deadline with one team, and then you get seven new players starting today. It's weird. It's almost going to be a completely new team halfway through the season. And who's the who's the one guy who stays? Who's the glue that keeps it all together? It should be LeBron. No, it's Kevin Love. Oh my! The, Kevin the Love, people. after all the drama and all this, you know, trading six players like it's Kevin Love and LeBron, they always wanted to be together this way, and it's going to work out. And they've got five new guys to deal with, six new guys. I, I can't, I don't count anymore. But you know what? If LeBron's in the playoffs, that's that. That's kind of one thing that you can never, you can never really count him out because I mean, after he beat the Warriors a couple years ago. You never quite know what you're going to get out of LeBron, but you know that you could possibly get it all. And the Cavs, I mean, if they could even play some average defense, which they have not been doing all year. They've, they've been one of the worst teams in the league on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm looking well, forward to seeing them play the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that'll be a good series. Well, the claim is that this trade did make them a better defensive team. That Rodney Hood is an exceptional defensive player that George Hill for the point guard position is one of the most efficient defensive point guards in the league. So the defense should be getting better. But what I think about is I know Rodney Hood's young, but George Hill 31, he was part of those good Pacers teams that challenged good, not LeBron great. James. But if LeBron, what do you mean? I'm saying Pacers were good, not great. Never beat LeBron. That's pretty good. They, but nobody beats LeBron. LeBron's been to eight or seven straight NBA finals. The Patriots complex. But LeBron James, if he takes his team to the finals, it would be incredible. It is like him taking Zadrunas Elgowskis again to the NBA finals. Or it's like him Anderson taking Daniel Gibson. Anderson Verjao. Just all these bad players he's carried on his back for his entire career to the NBA finals. And it just would be another example of that again, why he's the greatest player of all time. I think if he makes it to the finals this year. Okay, that that's fair, but I, I'm just I'm kind of sick and tired of hearing about LeBron. I mean, every day of like Instagram and just him complaining about stuff, and he just, he's just kind of you kinda play with annoying. a guy like Daniel Gibson. <laughs> Daniel Gibson's better than I am, like? so that'd be kind of fun for me. Um, but couple couple other decent trades, um, Magic trade Alfred Payton and his three pounds of hair to the Phoenix Suns um, and the Magic get back a second round draft pick um, I actually saw the Magic play the Bulls this year live so I did see Alfred Payton play live basketball this year and he, he's not bad um, another trade bad point card. we got three, a three way deal between the Mavs, Nuggets and Knicks Knicks get Emmanuel Moutier from the Nuggets um, Denver gets Devin Harris from the Mavs and the Mavs get Dougie McBuckets who is on his fourth team in five years can't <laughs> can't seem to stick anywhere um even with that I beautiful shot team in a year yeah traded the OKC last deadline was on the Bulls to OKC signed with the Knicks and now I just got traded to the Mavs that's four teams in a year that's pretty impressive yeah uh, most interesting part of this trade is probably Emmanuel Moutier. Um, you know, things didn't really work out in Denver for him, but maybe he finds something with the Knicks, and you know he's going to get a lot of PT. 
and if Porzingis comes back healthy next year, I mean, maybe could have a new big three of um, Moutier, Porzingis, and Michael Beasley. Could be the next. That's one of the ugliest big threes you've ever mentioned in your entire life. And I th- I know you're li- kidding because you're laughing right now, but dear God, I wouldn't pick I wouldn't pick them for my pickup team. I think I'm better than all of them already. Right. Um. But yeah, my it's it's amazing. Michael Beasley is finally is finally like surpassed Derrick Rose, like in the who's who's better right now of that draft. I mean, <laughs> they were they were kind of going like. They were in totally opposite ends at the start of their career, and they kind of just crossed. Um, but coming up on a break here, that was And we are back, everybody, at the Sporting Edge. I'm here with Roz, and we are going to talk some Major League Baseball because we got pitchers and catchers reporting pretty, pretty, pretty soon. We got some big free agents out on the market still. Um, we're going to kind of break down some of the big names that are left. First guy I want to talk about, um, kind of a kind of a drama-filled situation, J.D. Martinez on the Boston Red Sox. I feel like this has been going on for a couple months now that, you know, they thought they were going to sign him. And he, he doesn't want five years, $125 million. I, I think that's a little selfish of him. Um I think this is, is could be a great fit with the Red Sox. I mean, the Sox finished dead last in the American League in home runs last season. Hanley Ramirez been pretty underwhelming in the three years since he returned to Boston. Um, I just think J.D. Martinez would give the Red Sox kind of just like that unbelievable middle-of-the-order power that they lacked last year. I mean, the guy hit 45 home runs. Um, I, I, I don't get it. I don't know what's going on, but... I, th- I think they just need to kiss and make up. It would be a little awkward now, though. No, I, I agree. And like you said, it would be an amazing middle part of the order. And then can you imagine those magnificent Red Sox-Yankee games we're going to have with Stanton and Judge versus Martinez and Bogarts? I mean, it's ridiculous the talent that both those teams are trying to stack together right now. And the power that J.D. Martinez ex- expressed at the end of the last season was incredible. It's a slow stove, they're saying. And that's been the problem with Major League Baseball this offseason. Not a lot of people being signed to teams. You Darvish still available. Jake Arrieta still available. Yeah, talk, talks Martinez. about um, collusion among the MLB owners. Um, came up in the 80s. Some teams got in trouble for it. Uh, I don't really know what to make of it. I, and honestly, I don't really care. I just want to see some baseball being played. Um, take a look at you know near the top of the list. Another another big name out there, you Darvish. Um, where is his stock after that that showing in the World Series where he threw for about you know three innings and two starts I think combined? Um, CBS Sports article says the best fit is the Cubs. I, I mean, do you I, want? You I Darvish think it's the best fit. I mean, I always think that moving from the um, I almost said the AFC, but moving from the American League to the National League always does better for pitchers. They trend to go back upwards. I know he started um, or he started with the Rangers went to the National League, and we saw some hits falter a little bit in the World Series. But I still think he'll have a great uh, great career finishing with the Cubs. I think it would be a great signing, a pitcher that the Cubs desperately need because if, unless they get pitcher, they need some pitching and they need their batters and familiar faces to really begin to take off in order for them to move on and keep winning World Series and create this dynasty we're hoping for in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Cubs rotation right now. You got John Lester, Kyle Hendricks, Jose Quintana, Tyler, Tyler Chatwood. 
Um, the addition of you, Darvish, makes the Cubs just a damn good, a damn good rotation going into the year. I have a lot of confidence in him right now. Um, without you, Darvish, I mean, who slides into that fifth slot? Is Mike is it Mike Montgomery? I mean, I think that might that might be the most logical choice right now. Um, but I think obviously you, Darvish, would be definitely an upgrade. Um, number four, Lorenzo Cain signed with the Brewers. Jake Arrieta, um, is he going to go into the season without a contract? I mean, it's we're, if we're coming down if to crunch for time. Million, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, just I, I don't I don't know if he's worth it for any team. His his Cy Young seasons are past. He won his only Cy Young he'll ever win. I don't believe he's going to make two hundred million dollars. Boris, I respect the guy a lot because he takes care of his clients and his players. I mean, terrific agent, but I, he's asking for way too much when it comes to Jake Arrieta. And maybe he sees something I don't in him, and that could quite that could very much be the case, but. $200 million to sign area that just seems a little bit ludicrous to me. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, number six and seven, two big names, both coming from the Royals, Eric Hosmer and Mike Moustakis. Um, you know what? I mean, these two guys had, had breakout years last year. Um, just, just really filled up the stat sheet. And CBS best fit says the San Diego Padres for Eric Hosmer. Um Padres apparently have a dynamite farm system. I don't, I don't really follow the minor leagues at all, especially the Padres because they they're kind of a minor league team in by, you know, by themselves. Yeah, so I mean I'm not gonna follow their farm system out of all farm systems to follow. Um, Mike Moustakis. They should leave San Diego too. I, why not? Just San Diego seems like a suffocating sports it, it, market. Great vacation spot. Terrible sports town. Terrible sports town. I mean, what Philip Rivers, the Padres, and <laughs> that's about the, it. I they think. have like a. They don't have a basketball team, like an amateur league basketball team. I really don't know. Maybe. When I think of I San Diego, either. good sports, I think of like San Diego State and like football. And basketball. They're not. They're not even that good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're they're okay. Um, Chris Bryant came from San Diego. He, he played did. baseball there. He did. Um, Mike <laughs> Moustakis. Um, CBS best fit Atlanta Braves. Um, Braves have a have an opening at third base. Their top two prospects um, really aren't guys that you'd worry about playing third base. I mean, can basically play anywhere in the infield. And you know, Mustak is this late in the offseason, like we've been talking about. Um, you know, might be could might be able to get him at a discount. I think everyone's at a discount. I think everyone's at a discount. I don't know if I believe in the collusion what this there's like Manny Machado and Bryce Harper becoming available next summer it is very clear to me and I don't know why it isn't clear to everyone else that the money needs to be saved because the landscape of baseball is absolutely going to change next summer teams are going to go after the best players in the sport being the LeBron James S. it's Bryce Harper it's Manny Machado it's going to change everything and I think that the Cubs, they're not moving super aggressively on a player like you, Darvish, or they're not moving super aggressively on any hitters because they want to save that potential money for Bryce Harper. And you see that out of the White Sox. You see that out of a bunch of other teams that could totally spend money right now on these guys like Hosmer and Bustakis or Jake Arrieta. But they want the Harpers of the world, and that's what we're going to get next offseason. And I'm excited for it, obviously, because my boy Bryce, is uh, he's up for, to move. 
Yep, he is up on the move. Um, a couple other big name signings though. Um, Zach Cozart going to the Angels. Um, we had the Todd Father going to the New York Mets across town. Carlos Santana signed with the Phillies. Um, no longer on the Cleveland Indians. Wade Davis. Um, sorry to see him go, but he signed with Colorado. Which I think is a I think is a great For an absurd deal. Yeah, absurd. How we'll much see money though. They gave him. We'll see if Colorado is in championship contention. I think they will be this year. Um, Logan Morrison is still on side, unsigned. Jay Bruce stuck with the Mets. Um, Logan Morrison better hurry up and get signed so he can make the home run derby he was so bitter about last year. <laughs> he he was a little bitter about it, just a little <laughs> he bit. He was bitter. He thought he was Gabby, not Gabby Sanchez. It's <laughs> Gary. I mess I mess up Gary's name every time. But no, he was pissed that he got into it because he was injury riddled and everything. But Morrison, you got to sign somewhere to get on to the or home run derby track. You know, it's you can't do it from the free agent market. And another big signing, CC, sticking with the Yankees after that that great playoff start against the Indians. I'm happy to see him stay there. I think I think he just belongs as a Yankee. Tanaka also not declining his last three years with the Yankees, so he's going to remain on that seven-year, $155 million deal. Yeah, but uh, as, it, as it sits right now, one of the biggest spenders still, the Milwaukee Brewers, spending over $100 million. Matt Albers, Lorenzo Cain, Julis, I don't even know how to say his name, Julis Chassin, <laughs> Giovanni Gallardo, Boone Logan, um, and obviously they got Christian Yelich too. So that, that's basically where we're at in terms of the MLB offseason right now. Um, got about twenty seconds left, Mets? Roz. Any any final thoughts? Well, I just want to know if you're going to pick the Mets to win the World Series again. I mean, they got yeah. Todd Frazier now. I mean, they must be the new New York Yankees. <laughs> oh my God, my my Super Bowl picks both from New York this year, and they both just <laughs> uh, they were they weren't even close. The the Giants and the Mets. Um, it was a year. It was a year to forget in sports gambling as it usually is for myself when it comes to futures bets. Um. But we'll try to be better next year. Once, uh, once spring training rolls around, I think we're going to come out with our our uh, World Series champs. See how it goes this year. We're also probably going to we got to probably pick the NFL for next year too. We'll we'll keep rocking on the NBA and we'll get get the occasional hockey blip in there. Um, and I think we uh, talk a little golf next time too. But in the meantime, Masters are coming. Masters are coming up. Great time of the year, April. Forget about February. That's all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge. We will catch you next week, everybody. Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM.